Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Brady Grove, and I'm bringing you episode 86 of Roto Bowler's official MMA podcast. Tap that, and we are looking forward to UFC Vegas 70 this weekend. Card starting at 4 p.m. on Saturday. That means I'll be in the Roto Bowler MMA Discord doing the weekly DFS and sports betting Q&A from 2 to 3 p.m. Saturday. Also, folks, be on the lookout. This Sunday, the 26th, I will be dropping a short interview I did with Nina Hughes, the current WBA Bantamweight Women's Boxing Champion of the World she was fantastic. It was a it was a fun yet brief conversation. She's really nice and interesting, and I can't wait to see what's next in her career. Ow! Wait, <laughs> I did slapping. I meant to do applause. <laughs> applause is better. And folks, Bellator two ninety one is going down Saturday morning because that's happening in Ireland. I'll be making picks on Twitter for that. Same as uh, one championship fight night and PFL Challenger Series, both going down on Friday night. I'll be making picks on Twitter for that as well. Let's get right into UFC Vegas 70, headlined by Nikita Krylov versus Ryan Spann in the wide open light heavyweight division. We have 12 fights on the card, so that was the main event. Starting at the bottom, we got a women's bantamweight fight between Haley Cowan and Eileen Perez. A lightweight matchup between Rafael Alves and Nerulo Aliyev. Joe Selecki and Carl Deaton in a lightweight fight. Catch weight between Ode Osborne and Charles Johnson. Two guys typically fighting at flyweight. Going to be in a catchweight fight this time. Jordan Leavitt versus Victor Martinez. Another lightweight fight. There's, a, there's a, another one coming. Women's flyweight. Former tap that guest. Love watching her career move forward. Jasmine Jez Devicious. She is taking on Gabriela Fernandez in a women's flyweight fight. Then we got Eric Gonzalez versus Trevor Peak at lightweight. Maybe he's reaching his peak on Saturday. Welterweight, Mike Milat and Johan Lanessi. Women's flyweight, Tatiana Suarez, a heavy favorite over Montana de la Rosa. Augusto Sakai versus Louisville's own Dante Mays in a heavyweight matchup. Co-main event, intriguing fight between two middleweight prospects, Andre Munez and Brendan Allen. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then the main event of Nikita Krylov and Ryan Spad. All right. Let's get right into this, folks. Garrett Armfield and Jose Johnson no longer happening. That car, that fight got scratched. Eileen Perez is a plus 110 underdog. Haley Cowan, the minus 130 favorite. Haley Cowan got a win in the contender series. Uh, far from an impressive victory against Claudia Leite. Uh, August 16, 2022, she got a split decision with 26 strikes and a takedown. Uh, Eileen Perez lost, granted to Stephanie Egger, a slightly more elevated uh, level of competition. She lost that first fight 
Um, by round two, rear naked choke. She outstruck Stephanie Edgar 16 to 15, taken down two times to one. Um, before that, they're both seven and two professionally. Haley, all hail Cowan, 31 years old, almost a 70 inch reach. Um, at the, these higher levels, she's been winning by decision. And Eileen Perez, you know, she lost in her UFC debut fight. She made a three-inch reach disadvantage. Her only other loss besides that submission was Tamira's Vidal. Um, and that was an illegal knee loss. She's gotten TKOs, mostly TKOs, actually, is how she gets her victories. That is impressive. I don't know. I, I think from the samples that we've seen... Haley Cowan's been subbed twice. Those are that's her only loss in her. Those are only kinds of loss that she's taken in her uh, MMA career. I feel just a little bit better about the sample we've seen of Haley Cowan. You know, this is probably like a 55-45 fight for Cowan. So maybe Perez is a slightly better value of plus one ten. But I think the ultimate value here is Cowan by decision. That's plus one seventy five. Love it. So hit it was uh, the purpose of that sound effect. Narulo Aliyev, the minus 180 favorite against Rafael Alves, the plus 155 underdog. Narulo got a win over Josh Wick, outstruck him 30 to 3, and got a takedown, finished him by knockout TKO in the first round back in September of last year. Rafael Alves will be at a four inch reach disadvantage. He's lost two of his last three. Uh, granted to Demir Magalov by unanimous decision. He got knocked out by Drew Dober. His wins against Andre Andre Flores at uh, the contender series level, which was a submission, and then a submission against Mark Diakais. You know, this is a situation where I'd maybe say, ah, don't count Alves out. But the quality of wins that he's gotten compared to how great Narulo looked in the contender series, at least... I mean, especially from a statistical point of view, and the fact that he got the finish so early, I think Narulo wins this fight 60 times out of 100. Maybe 65. Um, minus 180. I don't know. I wouldn't touch either of these guys straight up, but Alia by TKO knockout, plus 300. Love it. Hit it. Ow! No, I haven't found anybody that should not do this, you know? Not yet. Next up, Carl Deaton and Joe Selecki. Carl Deaton is the plus 410 underdog. Selecki, the minus 520 favorite. Let's start with Selecki. He has won five of his last six fights, with the only loss being a split decision loss to Jared Gordon, who he took down four times. Wins over Alex Da Silva, decision. Jim Miller, decision. Austin Hubbard, round one rear naked choke. Matt Wyman, decision. And then a submission victory back in the Contender Series. Deaton will be at a one-inch reach disadvantage. This is going to be his UFC debut. What has Deaton done? Carl Deaton III, by the way, who is 17-5 as a professional. I um, believe he'll be at a reach disadvantage as well. He's, let's see, 33 years old. This is going to be his UFC debut. Two wins in a row coming in, but really not against... He lost to Alejandro Flores and PFL by split decision. He does have a win over former uh, UFC fighter Justin James in Total Warrior Combat. That's pretty good. Um, 
But, I mean, he's lost three of his last five, even on a two-fight winning streak. Selecki is younger. He's going to be at a three-and-a-half-inch reach advantage. Strong wins in the UFC. And, and this guy, you know, he's grappling against Cerrone and Gregory Rodriguez. His only loss is to Jared Gordon in MMA uh, since he lost to Nicholas Mata, it, not even in the UFC, back in 2018. All right. I found someone. I would have to say, Carl Deaton, it, it's admirable that you're making a UFC debut under these conditions, but Joanna says. Don't do this. You cannot do this, you know? I don't, I don't think you can do it, man. And uh, how's Deaton been losing? Mostly by decision. You know, I, I think the safest bet here, because I think Selecki wins this fight about 75 times out of 100. But Selecki by decision plus 150. Excellent value. Hit it. Next up, Charles Johnson and O'Day Osborne. That is... Charles Johnson continues to surprise me because that last time out, very recently, against Jimmy Flick, January of this year, I thought Flick was way undervalued. I couldn't believe that Charles Johnson was so heavily favored. What does Charles Johnson do? He blitzes him 34-7 to in significant strikes, weathers a takedown from Jimmy Flick, gets a round one knockout. He lost his debut by unanimous decision to Muhammad Makayev. That's a very forgivable loss. He got taken down 12 times in that fight. Landed 115 strikes against Zalga Zumagalov in a split decision victory. Oday Osborne. We'll have a three-inch reach advantage coming off a knockout loss to Tyson Nam all the way back in August of 2022. It seemed like this guy was super active, but it, clearly not. It, it's weird over the last few years. Some people I feel like I've seen fight six times. Oday Osborne is one of those people. He does have a win over CJ Vergara by UD. Zaruk Adashev. He finished him early in round one. Losses to Manel Cave. This is where he lost it. Because I like the CJ Vergara win. The Adashev win was, you know, that was solid and a quick night's work. The loss to Tyson Nam, that's a guy that can always hang around the rankings of the flyweight division for sure. Cave, forgivable loss. You know, it, it's just... Up to the point of CJ Vergara, I feel like Ode Osborne has demonstrated a clear ceiling. He couldn't make it past Brian Kelleher, Manel Cape, or Tyson Nam. He was able to beat CJ Vergara. What does that mean here? Is Charles Johnson as good as Tyson Nam? Or is or is he closer to Zarouk? You know, I think the fact that Charles Johnson one has yet to be finished in the UFC. Um, he did, he just got dominated by Makayev. I think that he can land enough str- I think that he can, you know, it's not a threat that he's going to get taken down 12 times in this fight. Um, I think Charles Johnson can land upwards of 80 strikes, at least on O'Day Osborne, even with the reach disadvantage. But I think this is going to be a victory by decision if it comes for Charles Johnson. Now, for O'Day Osborne... Yeah, for Ode Osborne, I would say that if you're going to go, because I think this is close to, I think Johnson wins this fight like 55 to 60 times out of 100. That makes Osborne a pretty good value of plus 145. Johnson by decision, plus 250. I like that. And I I like it a little bit more than Osborne by TK knock at a plus 350. That's where I stand with that one. Next up, we got Jordan Leavitt, the minus 105 underdog against Victor Martinez, the minus 115 favorite. Victor Martinez got 
picked up his first win at the UFC 11, the Contender Series, September of 2021. Uh, so before that, hold on there. Yeah. Before that, Victor Martinez, who is 13 and 4, 31 years old with a 70 inch reach. He has not lost a fight since he lost to Eric Gonzalez in Combate 6 back in 2016. Um, I mean, you can't tell like a bunch of credible victories. Just the fact that he's been fighting people with decent records since 2017, 9-4, and 7-4, 7-2, 15-7. Um, but he hasn't fought since 2021 when he was in the Contender Series. Jordan Leavitt, on the other hand, I believe will have a one-inch reach advantage. He's 27 years old. Took a loss to Patty Pimblett last time out by round two rear naked choke. Wins over Trey Ogden by split decision. Matt Sales with an inverted triangle choke. That was sick. Lost to Qua Claudio Puelez by UD. He's got a lot of wins. At, you know, at the LFA and UFC level starting in 2020, he's been active. So I guess it is kind of weird. <sighs> I mean, Victor Martinez, in his Contender Series fight, landed 144 strikes against Jacob Rosales, uh, got a takedown, survived a knockdown to win by unanimous decision. I think this fight goes the distance. I think the fight goes the distance, and I don't know. I, I think this is about a 50-50 fight. I think Leave It is then you know worth it as a very slight underdog. I think Martinez is a little bit more predictable and how he's going to finish this one. Again, I like Martinez by decision here, plus 350. Love it, hit it. Ow! All right. Next up, Jazz, Jazz do vicious. She is the plus 105 underdog to Gabriela Fernandez, the minus 125 favorite. All right. Let's talk about Jazz first. A lot of love for Jasmine Jez Duvicious. Uh, started, you know, via the Contender Series. Came in via Cage Fury. Yeah, Cage Fury. Uh, CFFC up there in Pennsylvania was where she was getting a lot of fights. She hails from Canada. She got a win over Julia Palastri in the Contender Series. Outstruck her 70-65, to 65, got four takedowns. UD win. Against Kay Hansen, outstruck her 50-44. to 44, Two takedowns to one UD victory. I was feeling real good about Jazz going into the Natalia Silva fight. I didn't, you know, see a lot in Natalia Silva's record to suggest that she was ready for a fighter that looked as sturdy as Jasmine did in her first two in the UFC. And Natalia Silva ran through her. 96 to 31, two takedowns for Natalia Silva, beats Jazz by UD. It was clearly a difference of like we just didn't know that Natalia Silva was going to be that good until you see her at that level. She really looked unstoppable uh for a, a fighter at that point and that's that is a bit what worries me here. Gabriela Fernandez. She will be at a 2 inch reach disadvantage. She was born in 1993. Um I am impressed with what Gabriela Fernandez is bringing in it. She is 8 and 1 as a professional. Currently ranked as the number 88 flyweight in the world at uh, flyweight, 29 years old, 67 and a half inch reach. She has one loss as a pro. It's by UD in her second pro fight in 2018. Since 2019, she's been mostly finishing her opponents, two decisions in there. Uh, she was the interim flyweight champion of LFA. She has won seven fights in a row. 
Oh, boy, and three in a row at the LFA level. Two were inside the distance victories. Look, Jazz took a really hard loss against Natalia Silva. But it's really hard to say that, like, you know, if she survived what Natalia Silva hit her with, I don't know if Gabriela Fernandez is going to be able to put her away unless it's by submission. Um, in her UFC debut fight, I, I think that, like, Gabriela Fernandez at minus 125 is actually an excellent value here. I think she wins this fight 65 times out of 100. I would say Fernandez by decision, that's plus 150. Um, if you want to go a little riskier, Fernandez by submission is plus 550, and I think that is a tremendous value. For Jazz, I wouldn't bet on her at plus 105, but if you're believing in Jasmine, you got to go by decision plus 175. I think that's how she's winning 100% of the fights that she is walking away with out of 100. Next up, we got Eric Gonzalez, the plus 160 underdog against Trevor Peak, the minus 190 favorite. Eric Gonzalez, two-fight losing streak. Got knocked out in round two against Jim Miller back in October of 2021. Subbed in round one against Terrence T-Rex McKinney back in August of 2022. Trevor Peak. He knocked out Malik Lewis in round two of the Contender Series fight that he had with him September of 2022. He was getting outstruck 65 to 54 and outtaken down four times to one before that. Okay. Eric Gonzalez. Regardless of what you did before the UFC, these last two fights, you, you can't not get finished by Jim Miller. You can't not get finished by Terrence T-Rex McKinney a guy that looks at times like a fantastic prospect for lightweight, and then he drops a fight that you think that he should be able to handle if that really is his trajectory. So I don't know what those losses mean, but I'm not encouraged. And Trevor Peak, having that the, the ability to put your opponent away when you are down statistically in both categories, I mean, psychologically, that's important. But Trevor Peak, before his contender series fight, by the way, uh, he is 7-0 and as a pro, undefeated, 28 years old with a 70-inch reach. He has put away every single opponent that he has ever faced. And Eric Gonzalez has gotten put away his last two times. Trevor Peak, minus 190, thinks a good value. I think he wins this fight 75 times out of 100. And how's he mostly been? Yeah, all of his wins are via knockout TKO. Let's see what these odds are. Peak by TKO knockout minus 135. That's the best value you're going to get on this one. Hit it because I love it. Ow! Eric Gonzalez, I have to say. Don't do this. You cannot do this, you know? Next up, we got Mike Malot. It's probably Malot. I think he's Canadian. The minus 215 favorite against Johan Lanesse. I really like Malat here. I think that he's 8-1-1 one, and one as a pro. You know, Johan is 9-1. and one. Not a big difference in record. But Malo, 31 years old. He will have a 73-inch reach coming into this fight. Um, winner of three. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
four fights in a row. And, you know, his last loss in MMA was to Hakeem Dowd doing the World Series of Fighting in 2014. How weird. But he has fought three times in MMA since December of 2020. That was in Cage Fury uh, against Solomon Renfro. He got a win in the Contender Series by round one. Guillotine. Uh, and, by the way, against Renfro, that was a round one rear naked choke. Last time out against Mickey Gall in April of last year, he got a round one knockout slash TKO. <coughs> Excuse me. And the Seattle Sea Dragons holding on to a 12-8 lead. As halftime approaches, gotta love the XFL and check out all my XFL betting content on Roto Baller as well. Johan Lanessi, the White Lion, 901 is a pro, 30 years old, 76 entries. He has the reach advantage. I might be changing my tune on this one. Johan, because I do, I gave up my prediction strike picks earlier in this week. I do think Malaw is maybe a better value. No, I don't know if I do. The more I look at this, look, Johan came in from Cage Fury. He's been super active. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fights since August of 2020. In Cage Fury, he was their welterweight champion. Then uh, he knocked out Evan Curtis in round two to get that done. Round one knockout against Justin Burleson in the Contender Series. He lost by round two knockout to Gabe Green in his UFC debut April of last year. But he got a split decision victory against Darian Weeks after that at UFC 279. Decisions. Of Malo get his victories. Mostly finishes. All right. So with the way... You know, I think if Malo wins this fight, you go inside the distance. In fact, I think you go TKO knockout plus 175. I think that's the best value you're going to get for him. Otherwise, I don't know how Johan wins this fight, but I think he has a much better chance than these odds are indicating. Um, yeah, I think this could be a 50-50 fight based on their resumes, even if you believe in a higher upward trajectory for Malo. This could be a 50-50 fight. Hammer! Hammer Johan Lanesse a plus 185. I cannot believe that I turned around on that so quickly, but the facts speak to me. Hit it. Oh. Next up, we got Tatiana Suarez, the minus 750 favorite. 750. Montana De La Rosa. Don't do this. You cannot do this, you know? Maybe you should be scared on time. Plus 550 in a fight at this high of the rung for this weight class at women's fight. That is crazy. But Tatiana Suarez has won five in a row against Nina Nunez, who she took down four times. Carla Esparza. And by the way, that now takes us back to 2019, 18. It's been, you know, there's been a gap for Tatiana Suarez. Um, that's going to make a difference. That's going to do some funky things in the handicapping here, one way or another. But she beats Amanda Cooper her first time in the UFC back in 2016. That was by a Darce choke. Beat Vivian Pereira, who she took down four times. She took down Amanda Cooper three times, by the way. Before beating Alexa Grasso by rear naked choke, she took her down twice. There was only eight strikes landed by that point. She finished Carla Esparza by round three TKO in 2018. She outstruck her 82 to six and took her down nine times. Nina Nunez, she outstruck her 75 to 48, took her down 
four times, beat her by unanimous decision, Montagna De La Rosa. She will have a two-inch reach advantage. She has lost three of her last four and four of her last six. Starting with Andrea Lee, she lost by unanimous decision. She got five takedowns there, but outstruck 73-14. to 14. Um, She got a UD over Mara Romera Borella. Very similar unsign- insignificant statistics in that one. Lost a UD to Vivian Araujo. Um, good strike, 85 to 82 in the striking and the takedown, but she still loses the UD. Myra Buena Silva, she loses by majority decision. She landed three takedowns, though. Gonzariani Lipsky, she outstruck her 29 to 11, landed two takedowns, got a round two knockout TKO. Macy Barber outstruck her 50 to 14. They each landed a takedown. Montagna loses by unanimous decision back in April of last year. Boy, it really seems like Tatiana should wipe the floor with her. And I don't know how to call... Well, all of Tatiana's losses over that four of six stretch have been by decision. Tatiana's been out of the game for a while. It's uh, She's been on a hiatus. Her last win was by decision. Not that it, that means as much now that it's almost four years later. I don't know. I think to make this one work, because I do think Tatiana wins like, what, 80, 85 of these out of 100. But there's a lot of question marks here. I would try to make this a little bit more worth it. Tatiana Suarez, by decision, minus 110. That's as good of a value as you're going to get on that one. Next up, we got Augusto Sakai, the minus 135 favorite against Dante Mays, the plus 115 underdog. This might be one, too. I, it feels like I'm crazy when I look at that line. It feels like Augusto Chicago should be more favored. He is 77. He, he has a 77 inch reach. He is not 77 years old. Uh, he was born in 1991. He is on a four fight losing streak. Granted, before that, he was on a five fight winning streak in the UFC against Marcus Conrado Jr., Chase Sherman, Andre Arlovsky, Marcin Tybura, and Blagoy Ivanov. Then he hits a buzzsaw because he had to, because he worked his way up there. He gets knocked out four times in a row by Alistair Overeem, Jarzania Rosenstruck, tied to Ivasa, and Sergey Speedbag. Dante Mays will have a four-inch reach advantage. He's about a year younger. Dante Mays, he had a... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. He lost last... Uh, it, no, it was a, an overturned decision. Last time out against Hamdi Abdullahab. Wins over Roki Martinez by unanimous decision. A round three TKO knockout against Josh Parisian. He didn't get six takedowns in that fight. I don't know. <clears throat> Those are the first takedowns that Dante Mays has seen in the UFC. Uh, he got one against Roki, but six against Josh Parisian. I think that's more telling of Josh Parisian than of Dante Mays. If this is the first time Dante Mays thought to try to take his opponent down that many times. Now, again, granted, the losses that Dante Mays has taken in the UFC, namely Rodrigo Nascimento, round two submission, that's a solid opponent, and uh, Cyril Gaon, who got him by round three heel hook, that's a rough draw. But his wins tend to come by knockout, except for the Roki Martinez, when people... Roki Martinez is weird. He has the ability to not look good in a fight, but still make you look almost as bad. Um, I don't know if I get this. I don't know. I mean, Dante Mays has yet to be knocked out. The, uh, yeah, he was in the Contender Series by Alan Crowder. That's weird. That he's, I don't know. That's that's strange. Um, I like Dante Mays, though. Hails from Louisville. Look, I, I think I'm. I, this is going to turn into a big swinging fight. I don't think Augusto Sakai has to really be careful here, and he's. I don't think he's fighting a better fighter, at least at this point. So, 
I think Augusto Sakai wins this fight 60 times out of 100. I like him at minus 135. And Augusto by TKO knockout plus 200. I think that's a better value than Augusto by decision at plus 275. We haven't seen any evidence that Josh that uh, Dontel Mays can withstand what we know Augusto Sakai can bring. I don't know. Past this fight, I might be really wrong yet. This might be like uh, one of those minifield situations where I'm harder on a guy than I you know need to be. But for this last fight, I'm going to say Augusto Sakai got ran through a buzzsaw. He got knocked out four times in a row. That's tough. It, it's, you know, it doesn't do wonders for, you know, his picture and standing at the top of the heavyweight division, regardless of the state that it's in. But Augusto Sakai should be able to handle Dante Mays, and I think he does it by TKO knockout. We're on to the co-main event. It is Andre Mute as the minus 205 favorite against Brendan Allen, the plus 175 underdog. Brendan Allen, let's talk about this. Riddle wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a mystery. Going back to 2020, he's been super active. Wins over Tom Breeze, Kyle Dawkins. Took that loss to Sean Strickland. Beats Carl Roberson, Punahele Soriano. Lost to Chris the Action Man Curtis as a big favorite, as I recall. Beats Sam Alvey. That means nothing to me. Then he beats Jacob Malkoon in a fight that I actually think he might have lost, even though he gets it by unanimous decision. Last time out, he gets a quick submission against Christoph Jaco. Jaco desperately did not want to go to the ground with Brendan Allen, and it showed there because that was, uh, uh, it was so, Brendan Allen was a grambling, uh, grappling hot knife through butter. Brendan Allen probably did not go to grambling. Andre Munez will have a three-inch reach advantage. He's about 33 years old now. Um, born 1990, February 17th. Oh, recent birthday. Happy belated birthday to Andre Munez. He hasn't lost in the UFC. Two contender series fights. Beat Antonio Arroyo. This is starting now in 2019 when he's actually in the UFC. Beat Bartosz Forbinski, round one arm bar. Jacare Souza, round one arm bar. Eric Anders, round one arm bar. And then last time out beats Uriah Hall by unanimous decision. But he there was it was 17 to 6 on the striking over three rounds, and he took him down four times to nothing. Those last four wins are very meaningful for Munez. But I am a little concerned here. I We haven't really seen a fight where Munez has put up big striking numbers. Um, it, that concerns me because Brendan Allen is a guy that, like, is, is fast. Pay, he, you know, he strikes. He's dangerous on the ground. I don't know, man. I, now it seems like people are a little quick to give up on Brendan Allen. Look, he still has, you know, I, I mean, quality wins. Uh, a lot of quality wins. And his two losses for Brendan Allen are guys that, you know, are in the top 10 of the middleweight day or top 15 at the very least. This is still a young guy. Um, I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know. Maybe it comes by TK or not. Maybe that's the best way that he can handle Munez is to force Munez into a striking situations where Munez isn't as comfortable because he's not comfortable with the volume that's being thrown. Brendan Allen by TKO knockout plus 800. Hit it. I think Munez wins maybe 55 to 60 of these fights out of 100, but I love Brendan Allen at plus 175 on that logic, honestly. I don't know... Brendan Allen has been so active, and his losses are to such high-quality, like, sturdy opponents that he just wasn't ready for at the time. And Munez, 
I'll give you the Jacare and the Uriah Hall wins, but those still have altered meaning over the last few years. And the Anders win, what does that mean at all? Um, when you can sub Eric Anders, it, it doesn't tell me a lot about your ability to take on you know, the top most well-rounded fighters in the middleweight division. And the, the wins against Uriah Hall and Jacare Susan maybe just a bit late in both those two guys' careers for me to know as much going into this co-main event. But we have now arrived at the main event. Break out the red panties. It is a light heavyweight matchup between Nikita Krylov, currently ranked as the number seven light heavyweight in the world, according to Tapology.com, against Ryan Spann, the guy ranked at number eight. Spann is the plus 145 underdog. Krylov, the minus 170 favorite. Let's talk about Nikita. He's got a 77-inch reach. He was born in 1992. Winner of two in a row, but he has lost two of his last four, won three of his last five. He's, I mean, he's been in the UFC since 2013. Uh, some wins he's had. Walt Harris, he's fought OSP, who subbed him with a bomb flute choke. Classic OSP. Beat Marcus Ruggiero uh, de Lima, round one rear naked choke. Win over Ed Herman, late in short fuses career. Lost to Demisha Serkinov, Jan Blakowicz, Glover Teixeira, Magomed Ankalev, Paul Craig. Wins. He avenged that loss to Ovin St. Preux, who he subbed in round two back in April of 2019. A unanimous decision victory over Johnny Walker, who he outstruck 45 to 37 and took down three times. Taken down three times by Magomed, but he did outstrike him. That is important. Lost by submission of Paul Craig. Oh, Paul Craig can be so crafty when he actually shows up and decides to fight a real fight. The last two for Krylov. A round one knockout victory against Alexander Gustafsson. He knocked him down twice, outstruck him 26-5. That was in July of last year in a stretch where Gustafsson was not looking too good. Then he gets a unanimous decision victory October of last year against Volkan Uzdemir. Uzdemir? Outstruck him 57-42, took him down seven times to one. Ryan Spann, he's got a 79-inch reach. He will have the reach advantage here. Uh, he's actually a year older than Krylov. All right. Span is getting talked about, I feel like, negatively coming out. I feel like a lot of guys, you know, the guys that like heavyweight, like Johnny Walker, like Ryan Span, even Jamal Hill, who beat the guy that everybody, including myself, was saying was going to beat him as a mild underdog. We couldn't figure out why Glover was an underdog. But these guys like Span and Walker and Jamal Hill, I feel like I've taken really good, uh, you know, advantage and capitalized on their opportunities that they've been given of late to try to climb up this weight class and be a big thing at a time when this division really needs something big. So with that, Ryan Spann is on a two-fight winning streak. He subbed Ian Kudalaba real quick back in May of last year, round one guillotine. He knocked out Dominic Reyes in a fight where I was saying, you know, guys, give Dominic Reyes a break because this guy has had to fight champions and killers. And, you know, it's hard to take a losing streak like that, but it doesn't mean that this guy is suddenly bad. It just means everybody he fought was better than him. And he beat Dominic Reyes. His last loss was a round one rear naked choke to Anthony Smith, and that's a guy that everybody was ready to give up on, too. He has a win over Misha Serkinov, a round one knockout. Lost to Johnny Walker, round one knockout. See, these guys have different results against a couple different fighters, too. I mean, Ryan Spann has a win over Little Nog, for God's sake. Um, he's got a win over... PFL heavyweight, heavyweight, Emiliano Sordi. No, light heavyweight, still. All over the place for these two. All Ryan Spann's wins of late have been via finish. 
I don't know. Here's here's what troubles me. Okay. I think both these guys two fight winning streaks that they carry into this is impressive. I'm more impressed with Spence. I think that his win over Dominic Reyes is the most meaningful win of any of the wins that these guys are carrying into this fight. And with light heavyweight, it's hard for me to even care about what these guys respectively did against Johnny Walker a couple years ago because this is a whole different 205-pound class. I'm more impressed with Span's most recent win. A reach advantage will be helpful here to try to keep Krylov at a distance and keep this fight off the ground. Krylov's loss to Paul Craig concerns me. That is a, such a way that Nikita could get suckered into an early guillotine from Ryan Span. Especially if he's trying to go for a takedown, if he's rattled. Look, all right. You might know I was able to call uh, Sergey Spivak by arm triangle choke the other week against Derek Lewis. I was pretty pleased with that. I'm going to call an outcome here. It might be way off. This is what I'm feeling. Ryan Span hurts Nikita Krylov in round one. Nikita's going for a takedown. Ryan Span's actually going to finish this with a guillotine, another guillotine. That's what I'm going with. I think Ryan Spann is a great value at plus 145. I think this is a 50-50 fight. So hit Ryan Spann at plus 145. I love it. And, you know, I think Spann inside the distance at plus 165, that's a solid value because that's how all of his wins come. So if you're betting on Spann, it's pretty much like you're betting Spann inside the distance. But Spann by submission plus 450 is the sleeper little prop that I want to keep my eye on there. I like it. Subtly tap it. And folks, that is it for episode 86 of Roto Bowler's official MMA podcast. Tap that. And I was talking about UFC Vegas 70 coming up this weekend. Break out the red panties. And so remember, I'll be making my picks for Bellator 291, the PFL Challenger Series, and one fight championship fight night. Uh, the latter two will be happening on Friday night. Bellator 291 happening Saturday morning. I'll be in the Rotoballer MMA Discord from 2 to 3 p.m. on Saturday. Those fights start at 4. I'll be doing the weekly DFS slash sports betting Q&A. Show up. Follow me on Twitter at RotoBrady and make sure to be on the lookout for the interview I'm going to be dropping with WBA Women's Bantamweight Boxing Champion Nina Hughes this Sunday February 26th. Really excited about that. Folks, thanks for listening. Enjoy yourself a nice weekend. Watch the XFL, college basketball, college baseball. The NBA's back on after uh, the silly All-Star weekend they insist on continuing to do. It's going to be a good week. Thanks. Peace. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.